You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. City Lights is a church located in Greenville, South Carolina, devoted to building family, blessing neighbors, and bringing good news to the nations. Thanks for joining us. sin, sentenced to death by our own deeds, knowing there's no way we could ever keep up, born into sin and darkness, with no flicker of hope in sight, no light at the end of the tunnel until you, all covered in manger, majesty, and miracle, decided to bring hope to a hopeless world that wanted nothing to do with you, and you still came for us. Sinners trapped in transgressions and shadows, but one flicker of your flame cast out any darkness and any shame. How redeemer of you to fulfill prophecy and promise we broke ours while you kept yours and us. Oh, Messiah, you are hope. Hope for me. Hope for tomorrow and hope for anyone who believes that hope is spelled J-E-S-U-S. Hope that you would be all the prophecy Isaiah said you would. Hope that your candle covers a multitude of sins. Hope. Hope that you would come. And you came. For hope. That's pretty awesome. Um, it's been so great. And I just want to shout out um, Evan Barnes, if you guys know that guy. He put the video together, and he's not here today. Um, that's Darrell doing his thing. And um, it's just so much fun. I got to be honest with you guys. Like, I think about, I'm, I'm the worship pastor, and I do music and things like that. But it's cool like, to use things like video and spoken word. Like, those things are glorifying and worshiping to the Lord. You know, And we don't necessarily have to be partaking in it. We can just appreciate it and go, man, like, what a thing to glorify God. So if you guys see Darrell around here, just give him some love. And also, I would hit him up on Spotify or whatever you listen to. The guy's ridiculously good. Like, it's not just that he, you know, he's a guy that goes to our church and he does spoken word, so we let him do spoken word. No, he's very talented. <laughs> he's very talented, so hit him up as well. Um, yeah, back to gifts, and, and I want to talk about that because obviously with Christmas, we're, we're buying gifts, we're getting gifts. Um, the second best gift, other than the Batmobile that I got um, when I was four, uh, is I got a guitar for Christmas. And I was 12 years old, and it was, yeah, it was great. Um, I was 12 years old. I'm in Walmart with my dad, and me and my dad are walking around getting stuff, and we're about to check out, and we're heading towards the doors. I'll never forget seeing those opening doors, and right beside it, there's this big display of first act guitars. If you're a musician, you know that first, <laughs> you know that first act guitars, that's like the bottom of the barrel, okay? So, like, you've got your Gibsons, and you've got your Les Pauls, and you've got, and then there's, like, act ones, or, or first acts, whatever they're called. Um, anyways, sixty-two ninety-five. Rollback prices, y'all feel that? So, and I'll never forget seeing that, and I had been taking piano lessons over the summer, so I'm getting into music, and music was, was becoming my thing, the thing that I loved the most in all my life. And I see this guitar, and I just tug at my dad, I'm like, Dad, can you please just get me a guitar for Christmas? I tell him, you can get me nothing else, just get me a guitar. My dad's from Greer, and he looks at me, and he just goes, what are you going to do with a guitar? And I'm like, well, I'm going to play it. Like, what do you mean, what am I going to do with it? 
And um, as I'm going to play it, he said, you don't even know how to play. And I'm like, well, I'm going to figure it out. Like, just get me the guitar. And he just kind of like brushed me off, like, oh, you know, whatever. Basically, he gave me like King of the Hill speech. I don't even know what he said. He just was like, or, 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 you know. <laughs> and uh, I said, cool. And so we leave. And that was around, you know, a little before Thanksgiving. And so a whole, like the whole month leading up to Christmas, I just had this, this longing in my heart. I was like, Lord, just please let me get this guitar. Like, I literally, I, I will take nothing else. Just get me a guitar. It's all I want. And you guys know how that feels when you're a little kid. You have that one thing you want, the one thing you asked Santa for, the one thing you begged your parents for, and you want it so bad. And so Christmas comes. I'm with my dad. I'm with my grandparents. And I'm opening presents. I got the socks and the underwear and the clothes. And I'm just like, okay, whatever, 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 whatever. Get to the last gift, and it's not a guitar. I'm super sad crushed. And my dad does the classic, oh, you know, I think I forgot something in the car. I think there's one more. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? So I like, you know, chase him down to the door and I see him outside. He opens his trunk and just lifts this gigantic thing out of the car. And I went, I mean, what is this going to be? Like I said, a golf club's like, what, what? Come on. Get the gift, rip it apart, first act guitar. And man, I, that feeling of, I got this is exactly what I want. I remember opening it. I remember feeling the strings and smelling it and being like, this is, this is it. And I'll never forget that. Like, it was, it was just the best gift. It was so great. And, I, and when I thought about, you know, we're doing this new series, Advent, and we're, we've got these candles that we're using to celebrate the different parts of Advent. This morning, we're, we're looking at hope. And that was the image I got in my head as being that little kid and hoping that I would get that gift hoping that that gift would come, hoping that my wish would come true, that the one thing I asked for Christmas would show up. And I think for us, um, not just as believers, but society in general, I think we hope for a lot of things. And when we define hope, we define it as wishing for something and that it's a 50-50 chance. It's a maybe. It's not a for sure, right? Like you walk outside, it's cloudy. Well, I hope it doesn't rain. Um, being a South Carolina fan, I hope Clemson doesn't cream South Carolina. And they did. And so... <laughs> And, you know, so you have these, these, these things. You go to work and you say, you know, I, I hope I get that promotion. Or I hope as a parent that my kid turns out well. Or, you know, I hope my finances are in it, whatever it is. It's all these things that we don't really have control over. And so we have this 50-50 perspective. Well, maybe it'll work out. I just hope it does. And the sad thing, and, and I'm guilty of this as well, is we can carry that into our faith. And we can carry it into our relationship with Jesus, right? Well, I hope I get to heaven one day. If that's, if that's a reality for some of you, it's probably a scary thought, right? I hope when I get to heaven, God will look at me and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant, that he won't say, depart from me, I never knew you. That's a scary thing to be 50-50 about. Or we, we find ourselves in our marriages maybe, in our relationships, and we're going, well, I, I hope that we make it all the way. I hope that we stay together 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. I hope, but maybe we won't. And so our prayer life is surrounding that idea, that mindset. Our Bible life is around that idea, that mindset of maybes. Well, when I pray, maybe God's listening to me. When I sing, maybe God cares. Well, I sin, maybe he'll forgive me. Maybe he's changed me, maybe he's redeemed me. But if we were to look at the Bible, it says nothing about maybes. It's all about assurances. It's all about yeses, absolutelys, 100%, not 50-50. So you guys can probably see where I'm going with this. I want, hopefully for us and for myself as well, that we would redefine the word hope this morning. 
Because hope for us is not a 50-50. I know that in Hebrews, I think it's chapter 6, it says that we have this hope as an anchor. You guys know what an anchor does. It holds the boat steady no matter the the waves that come, the winds that come. The boat's not going anywhere because it's anchored. And that's the hope that we have, the hope of Jesus, the hope of his presence, the hope of the gospel. Does that make sense? Does that sound like good news this morning? Um, It's not a Christmas wish. It's not a birthday wish. It's a decision, right? So I hopefully, as we we move forward today, I want us to be making a decision um, to put our hope in Jesus today. So I talked about, like, wanting that Christmas gift. I remember... um, what it, what it kind of like defined me for is like a, a sense of longing. You guys ever longed for something? Um, I know like my wife and I, we were in an apartment for a long time. We longed to be a homeowner, you know? And that's really what that world of, of hope feels like. I'm just longing for something. Man, I, hate be, I hated being in an apartment. We had just like a little apartment, a little screened-in deck where our, our child could go and play, but there's no yard, there's no nothing, you know? And you're just in this box, and you're just, I just wish I had a house. You know what I mean? I just really want a house. Or maybe some people, you're single, and you're like, I really just want to get married. You know what I mean? Like, we all have that sense. It's a longing. It's not to be neglected. It's not to be put down. I mean, it's real. It's a real sense. And that's what um, wishing and longing really fits into is hope. Is like, I just, it's this sense of I need something. But Jesus, I feel like, wants to be the puzzle piece that fits in. Because you can want to be a homeowner, but really what that speaks into, in a deeper sense, is a, a need for security. I want to be okay, I want to be founded, I want to be found secure. That's why I want to be in a home, because I want to be established, right? Or if you want to be married, it's, it's less about I'm lonely, it's more about I just want some sort of deeper sense of intimacy. That's what's crying out, is the spirit within us is going intimacy, comfort, security. Or I wish I got a promotion in my job, you know, again, that goes back to that security thing. Anything, you know, you fill in your story and fill it in the blank. That sense of longing isn't, it's not about the job, it's not about the house. It's about our heart and it's about the Holy Spirit in us crying out for something deeper. And that's what our heart is actually longing for, our heart is actually hoping for, is that something would come, a job or, or an image or success or whatever, and it would make us feel fulfilled. And that we wouldn't feel that sense of longing anymore. But both as an unbeliever and as a believer, we're always going to feel that sense of longing. Because earth isn't home, right? We're not supposed to be like setting up setting up shop and just being like, this is it. So just make the money, get the car, have the kids, and we're done. No, 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 like, this isn't, this is just temporary. So how do we, how do we move forward and not like hoping in the world, but hoping in Jesus? Not wishing that something would change, but making a decision to trust in his hope. If you guys are familiar with the Old Testament, um, this is something I thought of this week. Uh, you know that the Old Testament is built around this, this call towards a Messiah, a Savior. Um, you know that Adam and Eve are in the garden, and they, and they fall to sin. And then God actually gives the first prophecy um, about the coming of Jesus, and he says that the serpent, the one that turned Adam and Eve away from the Lord, that his head is actually going to be crushed beneath the heel of a Messiah. And that's the first whisper of someone else's coming that's going to make everything right. Okay, And that begins for the nation of Israel over all of the Old Testament, over 4,000 years of time that transpires, okay, over 55 prophecies communicating this coming Messiah, all of it is giving these people, the people of Israel, a hope. And they longed for it. You can read so many Psalms, you can read so many stories where you see Israel longing to not be held in captivity, longing not to be oppressed, longing not to be falling into sin continually. There's a longing, there's a need, I just don't want to be stuck where I am. 
And I think we could learn a lot from Israel's story because we are like that. We don't want to be stuck where we are. We don't want to be just dreaming and wishing our whole lives away and just waiting for that greener grass on the other side, right? But see, Israel had a promise and a hope that was secure and, and, and sure that no matter whether they were in captivity or not, no matter if they were in small or in plenty, I have this hope that one day someone is coming and he's going to change everything. And that's the hope that we celebrate in Christmas. We have um, the privilege of looking back that Israel didn't have. Israel could only look ahead, but we get to look back and see that Jesus actually came. He didn't come how we thought he would, but he came. And that gives us hope to look back and say he's done it before he'll do it again because we know he's coming again, right? And that's what Advent is. The word Advent means arrival. And that's what we celebrate and that's what we look towards this morning. So that's what we want to do. And, and, and just like Israel, you know, not all of Israel trusted in the promise. Not all of Israel followed suit. You have people that were killed and people that died because they were disobedient or because they turned away from the promise. But that's the thing about this morning is I want us all to walk away putting our hope in Jesus, putting our hope in his uh, life and his death, his burial, his resurrection, because if we put our hope and our trust in these other little things, like Israel, we're going to get lost. Israel wandered around the desert for 40 years. It's because they couldn't get it through their heads that your hope isn't here. Your hope's not in Egypt. Your hope's not in freedom. Your hope's not in food. Your hope has to be in him and what he says. And that'll give you a straight path. Does that make sense? All right, if you guys have a Bible, please open to Psalm 130. And we're just going to be in... Four little verses today. And as we're reading, I want you guys to have this, um, this mindset of hope, of, of that longing in our soul for something deeper, for, for something more, because that's what hope is all about. Psalm 130, we're going to start in verse 5. And this, I feel like, as we talk about longing, talk about hope, gives us some accessible um, right now steps. What can I do? And I don't want us to walk away going home and giving ourselves more tasks to do, okay? Well, I need to read more like a chapter and a half of my Bible, or I need to pray for six minutes more, or none of that. But just how can I live in hope today, live in the hope of Jesus, right? So hopefully this scripture that the psalmist gives us uh, could give us some accessible points. Verse five, it says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits and in his word, I put my hopes. I want to pause right there. So that word to wait uh, is actually a Hebrew word called kavah. Everybody say kavah. Okay. <laughs> I like the way that Sharon said it. That was great. Um, kavah means to wait in tension. So imagine like a rubber band. If you pull a rubber band super, super tight, there's a lot of tension in the center. Tension to a point it's about to snap and break. So as he says, I wait for the Lord, he's saying I'm waiting in a place of tension. That it's not just waiting around, and I'm twiddling my thumbs, and you know, maybe he'll show up, and maybe he won't, we'll see, but like, I am at my wit's end waiting. I'm going to wait when I don't feel like waiting. I'm going to wait when it's hard to wait. I want a word right now, I want my prayers answered right now, I want the job right now, I want the marriage right now, I want the whatever right now, but I'm going to wait for what he says. And that's what the psalmist is trying to say today, that can we, with all of our being, my soul waiting for the Lord. Can we with all of ourselves wait for him? Not passively, sitting back with our arms crossed, but waiting actively, prayerfully, in the, in the word, right? Worshipful. Can we wait in that way that's pursuing him endlessly to a point when it's like, not everything's going well around me. 
the things that I want in my life aren't going well around me, my relationships aren't great, whatever, or this thing that I want hasn't come yet, the prayer I wanted for healing, whatever it may be, just fill in your blank. Am I willing to wait on the Lord? Or am I going to take it into my own hands and make my own future, make my own reality, or am I going to wait on him? Secondly, on that word, the word word in there, um, is actually putting our hope in what God is saying, that he's speaking right now. So as we wait, what are we doing? We're listening. We're not just waiting again, like we're not just sitting around, but he's speaking to us in the waiting. Maybe he's not giving us the answer that we want, but he's talking. So are we prayerful in our waiting? If you're waiting for something or longing for something today, are you listening? That's something for us to think about. I got this quote from a guy, uh, Charles Spurgeon. Maybe you've heard that name before. Um, Just name dropping up here. No, but uh, this is a great quote that he said about hoping in the word. He said, a word from the Lord is bread to the believer's soul, which refreshed thereby holds out in the night of sorrow, expecting the dawn of deliverance and delight. If I'm focused on, you know, making my own success, if I'm focused on something I don't have right now and I'm trying to think of ways that I can get what I want or get what I need, I'm going to walk away unfulfilled. And I'm actually going to walk away with more heartache. I love, we did this giving series on Instagram and I remember Elizabeth Stewart, she was talking about something she was thankful for and she quoted that proverb that says, um, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. If our hope is in the wrong thing, it's going to sicken our hearts. And what do you think that's going to do with your relationship to the Lord? Because if he's not delivering in, in how I think he should, I'm losing trust now. Which means I'm worshiping less, I'm praying less, I'm going to church less. Right? And now you're in this vicious cycle where your heart is growing sick. Maybe it's sick with sin or sick with, with doubt or whatever it may be. And what this is trying to say is, but if we were to trust in what he said and what he's saying, our heart will grow strong. Because he's defining what hope is, not me, and not my circumstance, not my stuff. But Lord, what are you saying? I don't have this thing, or I'm not seeing this thing, or I'm going through this thing. What are you saying about it? Not what am I saying about it, right? Our heart grows strong. And I love that quote by Spurgeon, it's so great. All right, uh, going into verse 7, or sorry, verse 6, and I love this part. I wait for the Lord, so it's that same word, tensely waiting, at my wit's end, more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Um, many of you guys uh, have kids, and you know that feeling when you have a three-month-old, and you're up for the eighth time in the night, and you know you look at yourself in the mirror the next morning, and you're like, you look like you've just been in a boxing match. Like you just, you're so tired, you're exhausted. Watchmen in the Old Testament, but not just there, but if you look at medieval history, anywhere that there was a sense of there's castles and there's um, huge buildings that need to be protected, they have these walls. And in those walls, they have towers, and on those towers, they have watchmen. And what watchmen did is they would start a shift at sundown, and their shift would end at sunrise, and all they did all night long was watch for the morning. That's all they did. And they couldn't go to sleep, they had to stay awake. Because the goal was, you don't want to have an attack come out of the woods or from the mountains or from anywhere that you didn't see coming. So the watchman would be there to alert the city that we're being attacked. Something bad's happening. 
So if you fall asleep on the job, what's going to happen? Your whole city's going to fall under siege. And everything could collapse and everything could be ruined. So this sense of being watchful in waiting, again, it's active. We have to be watchful. Okay? Going back to what we said at the beginning, we can't just be wishful in our lives, right? I can't just hope that maybe potentially on some day, at some point, maybe God will think about. No, like, we have to be actively waiting and watching. Because in those moments of lack of hope and in those moments of where our longing is placed in the wrong place, in those moments of impatience where I don't feel like waiting, that's the moment that the enemy wants to move in. Because your guard's down. You're not watchful. You're not watching for him, you're watching for yourself. If the watchmen were turned around looking into the city, they're not going to see the attack come. So they have to look out. And they're tired. Their eyes are bloodshot. They're exhausted. Right? But all they would do is look towards the horizon and wait for that sunrise to come up because the sunrise brought hope. And that's the same thing for us. Hoping can be dark. Wishing can be dark. Going through different trials and wanting different things can lead to really dark places. But instead of waiting for those things to happen the way we want them to, we look towards Jesus because he's the light that's going to expel the darkness. Right? So what does that look like? I mean, I want you guys to think about this morning. Like, what does that look like for you to be watchful today? To be watchful, to be aware, to be awake, to not be lazy, even in, even in your worship and in your personal time with the Lord. What does it look like to be actively watchful, looking around you and see what God's doing, see what he's saying, see how he's moving to be watchful today. All right, in the last uh, two verses here, seven through eight. So now he's speaking to Israel. He says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all of their sins. The reality about this hope we have in Jesus is that it's not something that happened in a manger and then ended. It's not something that happened on the cross and then ended. Jesus didn't ascend into heaven in Matthew 28 and just said, so I'm out. I'll see you when you die. (laughs) We'll meet on the other side. It doesn't work like that. Jesus made a promise that he will always be with us. He said he was going to send someone who was greater than he to be with us. And then he said, I will be with you until the very end of the age. Everything that we experience in our lives is going to go away one day. Every election we ever voted on, (laughs) Every COVID pandemic, every bad relationship, every bad parent, all of that's going to go away one day. Because we're all going to go see eternal wonder and glory in the presence of Jesus one day. And that's not a pat answer to heartache and to pain and to loss and to trouble. Because God grieves with us and he mourns with us and he even dreams with us. If there's things in your life that you're like, man, I just... I want to see this happen in my life. He'll dream with you. But if he's not the center of the dream, if he's not the one I'm ultimately putting my hope in, not putting my eggs in the basket of, you know, restoring relationships with my family and hoping that my boyfriend or girlfriend loves me or hoping that my kids turn out okay or whatever, if that's the goal, you're going to walk away sick because all that stuff is, is temporary. It's a vapor. When, when James says life is a vapor, that's what he's talking about. All of the things are a vapor, not just the days of your life. Like, everything you're doing today is a vapor. But Jesus isn't a vapor. And by his spirit, even today, that's the cool thing about Jesus. That's something that blows my mind, is that he's been, he is, and he will be forever. 
in your life right now. Covering, speaking to you, dreaming with you, mourning with you, frustrated with you. But that's the goals he wants you to do it with him, not apart from him. Not to set your own journey and your own vision and your own life. He wants to do it with you. And that's why the psalmist looks at Israel and says, put your hope in the Lord. Because when it comes to, you know, he talks about forgiveness and redemption. When it comes to your sin, there's nothing you can do about it. And I'll say this too. If you're here today and you have a past that you're not proud of, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't change it. You can't fix it. It is what it is. And is there anybody in this room who can give you forgiveness? No. Can you forgive yourself? No. But who can? Jesus can. If you're going through something today that's hard, that's scary, that's frustrating, or maybe you're dreaming and visioneering, whatever it is, could be a good thing. There's nothing you can do to make it better or make it worse. Well, actually, you can just make it worse. I'll say that. Right? You can build your straw houses today. That's cool. But one day, it's, it's, it's going to be nothing. And I, I would love just for a second, if you guys could all just close your eyes real quick, and then we're going to continue. But I just really felt like the Lord put this on my heart today. I want you to think about heaven for a second. This is something we're reading in a book in our small group and. um, one of the first chapters, there was a prompt to just sit and think about heaven and think about the presence of God. And so I want you to take a moment just right now. I want you to imagine heaven to the best of your imagination. And try not to think about streets of gold and try not to think about mansions and, and you know, little naked baby angels and stuff. Like, just, just think about the presence of Jesus sitting on his throne, robed in white, covered in immeasurable light. And you're standing in front of him. What is anything you've done? What is anything you're doing right now? What does any of that mean in that moment? Looking into the fiery eyes of the creator of the universe And this isn't about judgment, but it's about perspective, because that's where you're going to spend eternity, is that spot right there. Not on some, you know, cute little house out in Fiji, like you're you're going to be in glory, in the presence of Jesus in his fullness. The fullness of his glory will be on display on you. The the Bible says that his robe will actually fill the temple. That's your perspective. Is that mighty, strong, powerful Jesus. And he's also your hope. You guys can open your eyes again. If you want, or you can sit in the moment. (laughs) The reality is that hope is an eternal covering. It's a decision to look back, look up, and look ahead and see that every moment, every trial, every uncertainty has a light at the end of it. If our our eggs are in the basket of things today, things right now, we're going to be let down, we're going to be frustrated, be disappointed at some point. I'm going to tell you guys, we bought a house, you know, I told you we really wanted a home. We bought a house, and it brought, oh man, we brought so much, um, it brought so much 
frustration because there was 98 things to fix in that house. And there still is 78 left. So you guys know, you know, and that's what I'm trying to say. There's always that, oh, it'll just be better if I could just, well, when I'm married, it'll just be, when I get a house, it'll be, well, and it never is, is it? It's not. No matter how many jobs you get, no matter how many, you know, podcasts you listen to, I mean, it's not going to get better. You're always going to have that longing in your heart. And it's because it's a hole in your heart that only Jesus can fill. Filled by his presence and his vision for your life. And I'll tell you the crazy thing. You follow that vision and you'll feel a little more fulfilled. I promise. I actually can 100% guarantee you. That if your hope is in Jesus today, not letting your past get in the way, not, not letting the, the craziness of life today, not letting the uncertainty of the future get in the way, but if it's just on what he says, what he's doing. And he's your hope. No matter what anybody says, no matter what you go through, he's the hope I have. You'll feel a little more fulfilled. And you'll enjoy life a little bit more. Um, so we're going to do prayer today. I'm finishing up short again. That's nice. Um, so do we have prayer team people? Okay, yeah. We'll do prayer real quick so they can go ahead and head to the corners if they want. Um, and we'll have the worship team come up. Uh, we can go ahead and stand. Um, we do prayer every week, and I'll be honest with you guys, I don't, and I've been trying to discipline myself well in this, is I don't want to do prayer lightly. Um, and I'd encourage you guys as well not to see prayer today as another part of the service, as we transition into worship. That's not what we're doing today, okay? Um, I had three things I want to pray for this morning. But before that, I wanted to read a couple of verses. So like I said before, if, if there's someone here and, and maybe you, I've been this way before, you, you struggle with where you've been, you struggle with your past. Maybe it's not even a past of sin, but the parents you had or the parents you didn't have or things that happened to you, things that were done to you, and you're holding on to that this morning. There's hope for your past, and it's found in Jesus, Okay. We're going to read a, a quick verse over you guys. Romans 5, 1 through 4. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character produces hope. There's hope for the past. There's hope for what we've done, what we've been through. There's hope. If you find yourself today in a trial or something that is hard, truly hard, truly difficult, distracting you from your relationship with Jesus, there's hope. And maybe it's not hope that you would define as hope, but that's why we have to stay in vision with him stay in the word and stay in prayer because he's going to define what that hope looks like. And for the rest of our lives, we have that hope. This is 1 Peter 1, verse 3 through 4. It says, he has caused us, this is good news, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Hope isn't dead, it's alive. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Maybe this life doesn't get better. Maybe the thing you're praying for doesn't happen. 
but there is something being held for you in heaven today, right now. It's got your name on it. And it's that fullness of who he is, the fullness of his love, the fullness of his presence right now today is being held for you in heaven. So in a weird way, we're we're walking with Jesus today, but we're also waiting for him. And that's what Advent's about. Finding hope in him today and finding hope in him tomorrow. That if he's been good today, he'll be good tomorrow. That if he's faithful today, he'll be faithful tomorrow. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please give us feedback by leaving a comment on this podcast. For more information on our church, visit us at www.citylights.cc.